But I will say it does a very good job of sort of previewing it now that I've Googled the plot on Wikipedia. Wait, didn't you see the musical? it sort of feels like... <laughs> you, you saw, saw the musical. Yes, and as you'll all remember, I was in the midst of a week-long manic blackout. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ultimate Musical Theater Brackets Season 4, Opening Numbers. My name is Alex Schneidman. Hello, everyone. Welcome to round two of the Ultimate Musical Theater Bracket Season 4 opening numbers. Uh, what a thrill. What an exciting night it is. Today, we have two, two new judges for this year, but only one new judge for the whole ever. Uh, and that is Mr. Dan Leahy. Dan, would you like to introduce yourself? I'd love to. My name is Dan Leahy. I went to high school and college with Mariah Copeland, and I went to college with Alex Schneidman and Rosie Jonetti. I currently live in Los Angeles, where I'm living my dream of never thinking about musical theater again and exclusively doing television, film, and commercial work. I got a B. I got a B. I got a B in musical theater history. I didn't know half of these songs prior to this podcast, but I've listened to all of them, and I'm very excited to share my thoughts. That is great to hear, Dan. Mm -hmm. uh dan did you get a bs or a ba in in theater from the northwestern university i received a bachelor of arts because i finished i got a five on the ap spanish test thank you to miss tully and that's <laughs> it <laughs> and we've got rosie joe back this year rosie would you like to say hi and tell us whether you got a bs or a ba in theater <laughs> from northwestern university um i got a bs because i am a poop-filled scientist Oh, BS, like bull. A, a BS bullshit. Bachelor of Science. Oh. Yes. Yes. That took me a moment. Thank you, Rosie. <laughs> Mariah, welcome back to this week's episode. Uh, did you get a BS or a BA in, in theater at the Northwestern University? I did get a Bachelor of Arts. and French. Yes, because I speak French. And Alex would also like me to clarify for the people listening to the podcast that I am not his roommate and indeed his girlfriend. Okay, he's Alex, we all know first. you're not gay. <laughs> Are people reaching out to you, Alex? No, no. Uh, it's just that... Uh, people are reaching out to me. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go through uh, the eight matchups that have already been locked for our judges this week. Um, they are starting from from most most having one to least having one. Uh, Prologue of Into the Woods defeated Comedy Tonight from a funny thing happened on the way to the forum, uh, eighty seven to thirteen. The The Circle of Life defeated Prologue the Old Red Hills of Home, eighty six to fourteen. Hamilton, uh, Alexander Hamilton from Hamilton beat Spelling Bee, 77 to 23. Oh my God, you guys from Legally Blonde beat Everybody's Got the Right from Assassins, 84 to 16. Um, Willkommen beat Four Jews in a Room Bitching, which is a little on the nose, in my opinion. Um, 81, oh no, uh, 84 to 16. And Tradition beat... Mama Who Bore Me, 81 to 19. And last, Good Morning Baltimore defeated Welcome to the Rock, 80 to 20. Oh, no, there's one more. Sorry. Uh, Bell beat 13 Becoming a Man, 79 to 21. Those are our locks. 
uh, our first matchup of the night, a matchup that is separated by one single vote in the public. That matchup is is Magic to Do from Pippin versus Hello from the Book of Mormon. Anybody have anything to say about Magic to Do from Pippin or Hello from the Book of Mormon? Although Magic to Do uses the hook Join Us, by about a fourth of the way through the song, I I truly decide that I, I wish to not join them. I forced myself to listen to the entire piece earlier this evening. <laughs> all of Pippin or all of Magic to Do? All of Magic to Do. Oh, okay, and good. by the end, I felt so like chopped <laughs> yeah i magic to do i i do feel like magic to do was written with a lot of like logist like circus logistics in mind but with that it is twice as long as it needs to be yeah it stops giving us new information after about the first line of the song and also offers no context gives us no expectations for what the what the musical is about it is pure spectacle which i respect nicole but i need i need a little bit more setup you know next Um, matchup so this is (laughs) this is interesting because i mean i think i disagree actually about magic really to do. um but, you share? but it's yeah. interesting that you guys are feel I, it feels like there's so much consensus amongst you guys i feel like it well, does just please share i feel like it does do a pretty good job of setting up expectations for if not necessarily the content of the show the character of the show at least i personally am very opposed to too much audience interaction and i don't like the part where they're like hey doll how are you welcome to the show and they like go in the aisles and stuff i don't like that part but i don't know i'm 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 intrigued by this i think maybe we i mean it sounds like we could vote but what i will say is anecdotic is not a word we haven't said a single thing about the song hello i will say that i like it i think it sounds really nice and i would like to listen to it a lot Although and that's I, what you want to share. I the, did recently see the Book of Mormon on Broadway. And I will say, I do think it is racist. Yes. Um, <laughs> I do also think that, like, it made an impact as a piece by introducing comedy comedy to the stage. And... Um, Look, I think we're gonna vote. Okay, I think yeah. we should. I think we should vote. <laughs> yeah. um, remember, you have three votes. So you can split them up however you like. Mariah, I will be voting two for hello and one for magic to do. Okay, and Rosie Joe, three for hello, and Dan, three for hello. Okay. So, hello, won the public vote by one, one, one single vote. It was split 50.4 to 49.6. But your votes being split eight to one, hello, remains on top, wins by a grand total of 63 to 30. 
six. Moving on now to the next matchup between No One Mourns the Wicked from Wicked and Company from Company. I will say I want to thank, first of all, Stephen Schwartz for one line in No One Mourns the Wicked. And I think we all know what line I'm talking about. And it's when the women hold down the fort and they sing, Through the lies our children learns. I think that that is a lyric, a line of melody and lyric that has haunted me for my entire life. And I don't know why, but in that moment, I feel feel so connected (laughs) to those women singing that. I think it's because I felt disconnected from the masculinity of whatever the men sing right before that. They're like, the good men scorns the wicked. And then immediately the women say, is that is it really about hate or is it actually about love? And is it about teaching our children to be better and learning from mistakes? And for that reason, I'm a huge fan of No One Mourns the Wicked. In contrast to that, <laughs> why does company start with Bobby, Bobby, ba, 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 ba? Is it a bunch of babies singing? <laughs> Are they asking for their bottle? <laughs> That's all. <Okay. laughs> that is all. <laughs> I I do not understand the public support for No One Mourns the Wicked only because it is just, it's very disjointed to me. It like, I always think of that thing, we talked about it last week, of that thing of like, you, when you're doing a show, you want the audience to be questioning and nervous about specific things. You don't want to be adding other things for them to be nervous and anxious about um, that take away from the story. And I just find the opening, I just find no one wants the wicked to be very jarring sonically, even with like staging and everything. It just is not exciting to me. I think it's a, I think it shows you the language language of the show, but it doesn't teach you the language of the show. Whereas I would actually say that company does. Company does a very good job of showing you the structure of how Bobby is going to relate in these songs to the full group and the way that the full group is going to like treat him throughout the story. Or her or them. Or her or them throughout the story and how that like shifts um, in the songs that they are singing and also in their smaller like duets and solos and things like that. I think company actually does a very good job of that even if we say the language is just a steven sondheim group number which i don't think it is i don't i don't hate no one mourns the wicked i think what i like more about company is that it there's a there's like a melody to latch onto and like an exciting musical progression and like there's a beat that drops and like by the end, you're like, yee. But honestly, I feel the at the end of No One Mourns as well. I think, I do think the the writer is assuming that we know who the Wicked Witch of the West is. And so it's not like these questions are coming completely out of the blue. Like, they put us right in a time and place with good news, she's dead, the Witch of the West is dead. If you come in with like, if the assumption is you're coming in knowing the Wizard of Oz, you're like, okay, so we're starting where it, like, leaves off. Um, and then it's like, oh, yeah, it's Glinda. 
And then she tells us what's going to happen. She's going to tell us the story. I kind of like the setup. I just think company is more interesting. And perhaps to your point, it's a clearer job of setting up how this world is going to work. And for that reason, I think it'll get more of my votes. So I think we can vote. Um, So why don't we just go ahead and do that? Mariah. I'm giving three to company. Rosie Joe. Two to company, one to no one mourns. And Dan. Giving three to no one mourns. Wow. <laughs> company just lists things, lists activities. I could look at my calendar for that. So, uh, company defeated, no one mourns the wicked, 56 to 44 in uh, the in the public. Uh with company taking five of your votes and no one mourns taking four of your votes, uh, company wins 56 to 44. Moving on now to the next matchup between the Ballad of Sweeney Todd from Sweeney Todd and Oh, What a Beautiful Morning from Oklahoma. Who'd like to go first? So I don't know. I think one of the things I look for in an opening number is. How does the information we are presented here end up playing into the eventual thesis of the show? And in a world in which the climactic moment of a musical is a perhaps accidental, perhaps not death at a wedding, where there is immediately a people's court trial of the, gro- for, of the groom for the groom, while he and the bride stand covered in blood, only to end the play with a reprise of this song, which is sung by the full company, the full company who just participated in a community decision to go against the law and decide right then and there to absolve this person of a possible murder. We have them repeat the lyric we haven't heard since the opening, which was sung by by the alleged murderer to the woman who we just saw introduced and push the idea of keeping the murder trial out of the court I've got a beautiful feeling everything's going my way. Oh, what a beautiful day. Suddenly that opening number is doing more than welcoming us to this community. It's welcoming us to a community who would rather cover up a murder than the alternative. What I would like to ask you, Rosie, is are you saying that's why you why you think it's a good opening number, why you think it's a bad opening number. Good. Because it presents us with information that we think we understand at the beginning. And then as the play goes on, we learn more and more what it means, what it actually means. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I wouldn't, I think that read of it, and I think also maybe that specific um, direction of the play, I don't think is like, I think is an interesting and like valid way to do it. And I don't know if it's necessarily the one I would do every time, like the one that I think is the absolute read of it. But I do think that it's very similar, not very similar, but if we're thinking about it with the production that you're talking about, very similar to Old Red Hills of Home. Like it's this idea of like beginning with a moment of, this is the place that I love and like being so reverent in that. And I think there are little moments throughout the show that like have that piece. 
um, in it. And then seeing the way that that turns out is has a different flavor to it. But you remember this like really golden. I I love the opening to the song because it is so reverent and it's so like beautiful, even if you do it in the kind of like traditional way that it has been done. Um, but then it is a little haunting when you think later about using it as a justification. I don't think what I described is just like a one way to do it. Of course, like the most recent revival had like the blood on the wedding dress and the and the jacket, but that's just like the text, like someone dies at the wedding. And No, it is, but I think that there's like I think there are different ways to do that. There are different ways to end the show with that note, even though like that is what is in the script. I think like I think that production, I like that production. I think that production does it in a very like way, mm-hmm. like very heavy handed way. I think there are lots of ways to do that with eventually that is the part you take from it. But I, I think that's just very specific to that. They also show. do Oklahoma after the death. Um, and I'm not sure they don't do the Beautiful Morning reprise or they do it for Bows. Um, and other productions have done that as well. But in like, the libretto, it's just, it's Oklahoma, and then the wedding, and then he dies, and then they do the people's court, which Ann Ellers suggests, and then it's, oh, what a beautiful morning reprise. Dan, do you have anything to add? The answer is certainly allowed to be no. Um, otherwise, I might want to touch on Sweeney and then vote. Um, I will say my relationship with musical theater is much less academic than I think it is for both of you. <laughs> I think that every time I listen to a musical theater song, it's as though I'm listening to it for the first time. So I will just give some of my thoughts based on my most recent listen, if that's okay. Please do. At about 2.16 in the song, there's in Sweeney Todd, they're singing the highest note known to man. And that is something that I really appreciate because it sort of shakes me out of my body and brings me back into this earthly plane. Something I don't like is they are talking so fast and over-enunciating. I do not need to feel your spit every time you say, Demon Barbara Fleet Street. People think that musical theater is so lame because people are sort of living in this place that does not feel human. And I feel that good old Sandy is not really setting up, you know, the actors in that musical for success because they're going to be talking so damn fast that they like have to over-enunciate and that sounds so crazy. In Sondheim's notes on this number in his book, Finishing the, the Hat, he talks about how Oscar Hammerstein claimed that the opening number is the most important song in a musical because it establishes tone, character, information, and everything in between. And of co- so, of course, Sondheim checks off all these boxes. He talks about how Attend the Tale both tells the audience that this is a period piece, so sets them up for the fact that this isn't going to be now. And also, he tells us that it's going to be a fable by using the word tale. Rosie Joe, you, you bring up Oscar Hammerstein. And uh, notably, he's one of the dudes that wrote Oh, What a Beautiful Morning. Do you feel like he <laughs> accomplished what he says an opening number is meant to do? In well, his let's go through each, each um, noun that he brings up. So Maybe go through some <laughs> of the nouns that he brings up. Tone. Do we, do we think Oh, What a Beautiful Morning establishes tone of Oklahoma? I would, I would speak with confidence in saying yes. Mm-hmm. Do we think that Attend the Tale does? Yeah. Yes. For Sweeney Todd. I agree. Character. I would argue that the Ballad of Sweeney Todd tells us much more about Sweeney Todd than Oh, What a Beautiful Morning tells us about Curly. Does the Ballad of Sweeney Todd 
tell us more about Sweeney Todd than the musical shows us about Sweeney Todd. Does Oh, What a Beautiful Morning show us more about Curly than the musical or than the musical or the song itself tells us about Curly? I get that. I don't think you can say that Sweeney Todd tells more than it shows just because it uses a device of a chorus being a narrator. I agree. I think there are plenty, there's plenty of material for Sweeney, of Sweeney Todd acting for himself that shows us who he is. I agree with you. Now, I think I'd like us to vote, actually. I think, I think we're at that point. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to see where you all vote. Mariah? I'm going to give three to Oh, What a Beautiful Morning. Rosie Joe. One Oklahoma to Sweeney Todd. Dan? I'm going to give three to Sweeney Todd. Uh, so, uh, Sweeney won the public vote uh, oh. 61 to 39. With your votes going majority, Sweeney, uh, Sweeney carries over and defeats Oh, What a Beautiful Morning 59 to 41. Next up, we have Rent from Rent and Mysterious Ways from The Color Purple. Um, I would love to start. Go, Dan. If that's okay. Something I will say, again, I would like to share what I think it would feel like to, for this to be the opening number to like one of my brothers who's seen like three musicals ever. That's a, a great saying, way to start. Thank you. Rent is annoying to me because how are we going to pay? Get a job. Why don't you get, how about you, th- how about you think about getting a job? You're talking about how uncomfortable it is to be poor. There's a very simple solution. Engage with capitalism in a meaningful way. How about you stop whining? You want to be an artist? Okay, make some money first. The, the neoliberals dream rent production. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's how I feel about rent. When I'm listening to it, I'm thinking, okay, how are we going to pay? I don't know. Figure it out yourself, little boy. And then I think of Mysterious Ways. And I have a story to tell about The Color Purple, the musical. When I saw it on Broadway in the midst of a week-long manic blackout called Showcase (laughs) from Northwestern University, I was excited for one thing that entire week. And it was to see Cynthia Erivo option up at the end of I'm Here and sing, I'm gonna sing out. It's obviously in a different key than that. And it was a two-show day. I saw the matinee. I later find out that Cynthia did some sort of extreme physical exertion that morning, and she didn't option up. And I sort of thought, I came to New York for what? (laughs) I came to New York to watch her sing, I'm gonna sing out. If I wanted to do that, I could watch a fr- I could watch a freshman musical theater workshop because anyone can sing that note, but no one can sing that high note like Cynthia. Here's my thoughts as we navigate mysterious ways. Oh, this is delightful. Two girls are playing a childhood game. This is great. Oh, now we're in a church. If I were to stumble into this church, I think that I would think that maybe I was in the wrong church. And then there's sort of a lot of stuff happening subtextually. <laughs> And then it gets revealed later on what they're talking about. And I really like that because it sort of asks a question and then the question is answered. So that's a lot that's of what, what you think, but what would your brother think? <laughs> um, I think my brother would think similarly to me. Rosie or Mariah, you have anything you want to add? 
If you don't, that's also okay. It makes it a lot easier for me to edit. I don't need to talk. I talked a lot the last round. Well then, Mariah, what do you got to say? I I want us to talk about a little bit because I'm a little torn. I think that Rent is like such a fun, exciting opening that like one of my things I keep bringing up is like teaching you the language of the show. I think this opening number does a really good job of teaching you the language of the show. Um, I also think now like hearing the music and reading the lyrics this show is pretty much like a period piece of the 90s like very like reminds me very much of like certain moments in hair of like this was this like the sound of the time and the way that people wanted to break the rules that were being established in that moment um something I talked about last week that Alex cut is I love when the opening of a show really does have like sonically like the feeling of walking through a door opening a book like this this actual feeling of opening and I think Mysterious Ways does that really beautifully with like the game and the church moment like starting it um and like builds to a really exciting place by the end and so I'm like kind of torn because they're really different and I think they do really different jobs but I think they do them both really well and that's also part of why I wanted to hear Rosie's thoughts I think they both introduce us to the world really clearly. Um, And I think what Dan said is really apt with mysterious ways and that it like sets us up with all the right questions. And also it does the thing we were kind of talking about with Oklahoma, kind of talking about with Old Red Hills of Home, where it juxtaposes, not to use this word again, Dan, but the perception of a place and of a community with something underlying that's a little darker and seeing how they line up. And so it's so unnerving to see all of these people worshiping in church and being like, we're here with our community. It's Sunday morning. We are like singing with joy and passion. And then you like, see a pregnant child like walk down stage through the people and it's like the question arises of who what what has happened here and also I think it's so interesting that these two songs are up against each other because both of them bring in a style of music that at least at the time we didn't see much of on the stage mm-hmm. and yeah. so both gospel music and rock music so it, it sets us up like musically in such a specific time and place as well. Um, It also like very briefly introduces the fact that some of these people are really sick just with like one lyric. What is it? uh, Where strangers, landlords, lovers, your own blood cells betray. Betray, right. Which is, I think a great, that section is a great line to open the show. Yeah, because it, there's a version of this opening that's, Like, the reason we're telling you this story is because we all have a really horrible disease. And it's not that. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't doesn't leave it without saying it a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, as we get further through this bracket, the matchups get harder and harder to vote on. Um, This one, I know, is not easy. But we must vote. Mariah. I'm going to give two to Mysterious Ways, and I'm going to give one to Rent. 
Um, Rosie Joe. I think I'm going to go two to rent, one to Mysterious Ways. But it's really tricky. It's hard. It's hard. Uh, and Dan. I'm going to give two to Mysterious, one to rent. Okay, so that is four to five uh, in favor of Mysterious Ways. Let's see how the math maths. Uh, okay. Uh, well, based on something I already know, uh, Rent won this one. Um, so I'll, I'm going to have to figure out the math, why the math didn't work while we're talking about the next one. But Rent won the public vote 62 to 38. Um, and it only needed three of your total nine votes to get over the the hump. Uh, and it got four of them. So Rent wins this matchup. I can't tell you exactly how much to how much because my spreadsheet is currently not functional. But Rent advances and will go up against Tradition in the next round. Next Ooh. up, we have another heavy hitter matchup between Beautiful from Heather's and Skid Row from Little Shop of Horrors. Go, my friends. Rosie, you did a very strong nod. <laughs> so begin. I think Beautiful is one of the strongest parts of the musical Heathers. Now, here's a question I have for the room. If one of the main criterion for an opening number is how successfully it sets us up for a show, and an opening number is so good... It makes me think I'm about to watch a show better than it turns out to be. Is it a successful opening number? You're saying beautiful functions as perhaps better than the musical it opens. And if that's the case, was it successful to begin with? Because did it set up the musical we eventually receive? I don't feel that way about Heather's. I think, like, Beautiful is one of my top three for Heathers, but I don't feel that way. I think there are a lot of really great moments that happen after it. I do think the book for Heathers could be a lot stronger, um, but I do think there's, like, a lot of really strong songs later on, like Dead Girl Walking and Candy Store and Big Fun that are all in similar language and build of beautiful and I think like beautiful is in my top for the show but I don't I don't think it like lets me down later on um I would say like sort of conversely like I think the beautiful does a really good moment of of starting us in the best place of the story that the that in I think beautiful does a good job of dropping us in the best place that the story could start a problem I have with Little Shop is like, I was talking about this with Eli at a party a while ago, but we're talking about how like the, the opening number from Little Shop that has been pushed out of this bracket is sort of like an overture that sets the tone of what you're about to see, right? The like narrative version of it, the style of music you are going to hear, that is also sort of like the 
the reason why Crystal Burnett and the one I can't remember the name of is there. Um, And also I find that a little racist, but if anybody wants to talk about it, I have a lot of thoughts. Um, But then we kind of go into downtown. What are you referring to when you say that? Um, I think that the reason that those three characters um, who do have names, but don't really have um, anything to do with the plot in the show are there because um, white people cannot successfully sing the genre of music that they wanted to use. And so instead of um, changing one of those things, um, they use them as set dressing, um, which I really don't like. And I don't think there's ever been a successful way that I've seen that incorporated. Um, But that being said, that sets the tone of of the show musically. And I think Skid Row gives us like characters and setting too. My thing about... Uh, it is, is I wish the lyrics were a little more artfully done even in the style of the show like I think a lot of it I think a lot of Little Shop sometimes caters to genre rather than giving us more interesting artful ways to say the lyrics about the people in it the, I think you can cut Uptown you cater to a million jerks the muscle then your bathroom clerks and like the thing about the whores I think is a line that doesn't make sense to me <laughs> like just like with syntax um and I also I wish that I wish that Seymour's first line wasn't poor all my life I've always been poor and they tell me not for sweep that floor kid oh it's like it feels it feels like we have chosen those words to to cater to the musical cadence that we need to have and they could have been better dan i want to hear from you and then i actually want to push us to vote on this one why would you talk a little bit i talked thank you alex um (laughs) i'm i feel rosie's pain and yet i'm going to take the dog when it's down and just say what i think beautiful I love that it has a line of dialogue that says homo, homo, homo. Um, I have never seen the Heathers movie, but it still feels like it gives me a really good lens into the world. I don't really relate to a lot of the sadness of high school because in high school I did not have any feelings. And I love that there's a really nice key change. In Skid Row, I said, I like that whenever Carrie Butler sings above a B, it sounds like she's going to die if she doesn't sing as loud as she can. And that's sort of the only things that I think are necessary to add of my notes. All right. Sorry, Rosie. Rosie, hit us and then we're going to vote. No, I mean, it's not that much. I just, I think Heather's does do a really great job of using language to put us in a time and place and to teach the audience how to take in the piece. Like, I feel like if attend the tale is telling us, the language, what the story is going to be like, the time and place, like, like Dan said, the homo, 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 and pervert and skank, like those are used to artfully to tell us this is how people communicate here. I also love the line that is um, like the really rich Heather, oh, her dad sells engagement rings, because <laughs> that tells you this isn't that rich of a high school, <laughs> which is cool and like a really concise an economic use of language to like portray a lot of information about these kids. I think both of these pieces does a pretty good job introducing us to characters and both has that really exhilarating opening number feeling of like 
we're starting a show and it's building and building and building and soaring. And so because it's it feels so equal in that way, I think I'm I'm leaning toward a little shop because I I think the I I think it the show it holds up a little more to the standard that the opening number sets. All right, we're going to vote. Mariah. I'm going to give uh two to beautiful and one to little shop. Uh Rosie Joe. Reverse, reverse. That's one to beautiful and two to Skid Row, correct? Correct. And Dan. I'm going to give two to beautiful and one to Little Shop and Skid Row. So that is five votes for beautiful and four votes for Skid Row. Now, Skid Row won this public vote uh, 65 to 35. Um, which means that your votes, your five votes, your majority of votes for beautiful were not enough to push it over the edge. Okay. Um, (laughs) Skid Row wins, uh, and will wins 59 to 41 and will meet with Alexander Hamilton in the next round. We have three matchups remaining. And remember that the these last three are the the farthest apart in public votes. Um, so I might push you to vote sooner than typical. But first, we have The Sound of Music from The Sound of Music, including Prelude, uh, against the prologue of Ragtime. Dan, do you want to start us off with your spicy little hot take? I would love to. Thank you. Sound of Music. I was listening this into the car in the car and and we thought for a full minute and a half that my phone was broken or the car was broken because <laughs> the beginning of the sound of music is just birds chirping <laughs> static and you might think oh yeah that's good it's kind of showing you that they're outside <laughs> they're in the beautiful hills of whatever Austria or something and to that I say I don't need that at all <laughs> And then she's just saying, the sound of music. What else is there? What a waste of time to me. Julie Andrews, I love you, but if it was someone else, I wouldn't give a, a hot hit. Ragtime. Why are you speaking to me? Why don't you sing what's happening to me? If you're going to take this whole song to, tell, to literally tell me word for word who, it, who is in this show and what their status is. How about you just try a little bit harder and sing it maybe because this is a musical, not a play. Heard of music? Rosie Joe or Mariah? As I've said, one of my favorite things about a mu- uh, an opening number is when we learn something in it, either information-wise, lyrically or musically, that holds a greater significance later in the piece. Um, and this song comes back later because we learned that Maria, while Captain Von Trapp was gone, taught it to the children. And he, they have a big fight and he's about to kick her out. And then he hears this song in the distance. He realizes that his children are introduced to music and he changes his mind. And I think that that is super powerful. I also think it's really important that we learn this character's connection to the literal hills and the literal land of her country not just because in the next scene we learn that 
her hanging out on these hills are what led her the hills that overlook the abbey are what led her to wanting to become a nun but also because the story becomes later in the show about having to choose between what you know to be right and the comfort of home and the pain that's caused when those two things butt heads and so um I, I just think this song is really good and really important. All right. I really like the ragtime prologue. I think it is really, of like all the very, very specific time and place musicals, I think it's like one of the most like exciting openings because you get to hear like the three protagonists of ragtime are really Tata, Mother, and Cole House you hear all of their like musical motifs. You hear a lot of the musical motifs of the smaller characters that all the, all the melodies that happen in the ragtime prologue come back and like come back with that being the, the forefront of this sort of like earworm you hear in the beginning. Um, and I don't, I don't like that ragtime closes with a very similar song to the prologue. I think sometimes it's a little cartoony and I, I don't love it because it's very stiff um, but they return to all of these like statements and ways they defined themselves from the beginning in the end. And I find that the the big musical break into the like last chorus, I just find it so exciting. Like I think all the time of like that original like Tony performance they did and just like how like singing back to the rafters and the fact that like um when we did ragtime at Northwestern, um, Noah told us like the, the mark of ragtime is that it is slow. You do not do ragtime quickly. And like, I think that adds to like this, like very churning uh, excitement as you get into those musical breaks in the end is that it never, it never goes faster than that piano in the beginning. And I just find it like a really, really beautiful. And I love, I love the, um, and there was 94 years to go because like at this point we've lived those 94 years. Right. And like, we know how all these, these moments take off later. Like I, I find it so exciting. I listen to it when I listen to it by myself, I like cry because <laughs> I just find it. And I know some people don't, I know like the, the historical characters in the moments are like kind of like cartoony to people and not fun but for the breadth that ragtime has and the things you have to keep track of and the people you have to keep track of and the ways you have to keep track of them interacting with each other I think that the song like really sets you up for success if you pay attention to what's in it all right I think we can vote yeah um Mariah I'm giving free to ragtime I like sound of music but I want her to know that I love her. Uh, Rosie Joe. Two sound music, one ragtime. And Dan. I'm giving three to ragtime. Well, <laughs> so uh, ragtime won this public vote 70 to 30. Mm. Um, and with you guys giving it seven of your nine potential votes, uh, it wins pretty soundly 73 to 23. Um, so... Ragtime moves on to the next round where it will meet uh, Sweeney Todd. Okay, two more matchups, friends. 
Uh, next up is In the Heights from In the Heights versus All That Jazz from Chicago. This one, for me, is so close. Why is that, Rosie? Well, my question is, do people just listen to these songs, but they don't know, like, what is happening in them? Sometimes. Because Frequently, yeah. I do. That's, That's so how frustrating I to me because... Frustrating. If <laughs> because if you're just listening to all that jazz, it's just, like, a fun, sexy number. But in the context of the show, it sets up this really unique system that we see throughout this really cool play where we are in a vaudeville and almost every song is not diegetic but commenting on the action of the story in a way that tells us more information about everyone involved and then with the i got a p it like sets up the comedy a rhythm of the show it's amazing on the other hand in the heights opening is like one of the most it was like one of the most played songs on my ipod in the eighth grade i i still play it like weekly it's it has so much heart it's in my opinion one of the best examples of the version of the opening number which is here is each of the characters you're going to be following in the show each has their own musical theme they interact it's amazing it introduces rap to broadway it it's joyful How did you forget, it, bring into noise bring into funk <laughs> it introduces rap to broadway in a meaningful and memorable way it is amazing wow i don't know what to do yeah i i feel like this is one of those um you know how last week michael was like some songs in this are like the songs that could walk so other songs could run. I feel like that's all that jazz is like. To me, all that jazz is unique. Like what other song on this bracket does something like all that jazz does? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dan, if you have anything, feel free. But I'm going to force these people to vote. Okay. Well, I guess I'll just say something because I'm here. So. You don't have to say anything, Dan. It's hey, Alex, I said that, but you know me. You know that I want to talk. You know I love the sound of my own voice. But thanks That's for checking in, That's why you got in, this babe. beautiful microphone. Exactly. Some things, okay, a couple thoughts. Um, all that jazz, I literally made no notes because I knew I preferred it to In the Heights. In the Heights. I am not good at listening closely. There is too much packed in one, in one place. I am not going to remember all of these details because my brain is not powerful enough. Why does every musical talk about New York? I understand that this musical specifically in the context. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but I feel like the context of Chicago, like the only context you need to know about Chicago is the general global slash domestic perception of Chicago that it's like a crime-ridden city, you know? There's not really anything else you need to know. It's just like a place for this story to happen. But he talks about like 96th Street and like the boroughs and that stuff I didn't know. And I understand that it has cultural importance in this context, but I just want to make a larger comment that I wish musicals talked about New York less because I don't know anything about New York. And also, I wouldn't know who Cole Porter was and what the Too Darn Hot reference was, except that I was I ran the music soundtrack for Kiss Me Kate when I was a sophomore in high school, and then someone bullied me anonymously on Form Spring, saying that I wasn't very good at it. 
I would like us to vote. Okay? Mariah. I am giving, only because I'm thinking about my ultimate, I am giving two to In the Heights and one to All That Jazz. Rosie Joe. Two All That Jazz, one In the Heights. And Dan. Three All That Jazz. Okay, so that is three to six. Okay, so In the Heights uh, won the public vote 70 to 30. Uh, It was actually the exact same number breakdown as the last matchup. Uh, And all it needed was just one vote. Um, And uh, both Rosie and Mariah gave it at least one. So it moves on and wins 58 to 42. Now, last matchup. This one was very close to being a lock. Um, it is between the prologue uh, from West Side Story and I Hope I Get It from a chorus line. Mm. Ooh. A dancer versus a dancer. <laughs> okay, how about this? Here's, here's, here's where we're going to start with this one. Um, I Hope I Get It is winning this one 74 to 26. Okay. Can we hear? That's fine with me. I'm, I'm, I would not expect otherwise. My expectation though, is that the prologue of West Side Story will not advance in this, in this round. Mm-hmm. You would you, all three of you would need to give it all three of your votes, no. but I'd like to hear because we didn't, we didn't talk about, I hope I get it last week. Maybe let's just give a minute about why I hope I get it is good. Um, And we all know that the prologue of West Side Story is great, but in this matchup, it is kind of hard for it to to move on. Rosie Jo, I know you love I Hope I Get It. I mean, there's nothing like it. It, It did something that had never been done before. I don't think it's been done since. The ensemble is the protagonist, easefully sets us up in the world of the audition. It starts everyone facing upstage to the mirror. So you can see people's faces, but only through an upstage mirror, just for them to turn and do the part of the dance you haven't seen yet. But it's that, that, I mean, there's nothing, there's <laughs> nothing better. There's nothing better. And then like, you they they need this job and you see it in their faces and it's like they're hitting these moves with the amount of force that it would take to that like if they if they struck someone with this amount of force the struck person would be dead twice over like (laughs) it is oh my god twice over (laughs) it's like i don't i'm not sorry like it, and right right when you don't think you can take it anymore because they're just going so fucking hard <laughs> it it backs off and gives you a glimpse into what the musical will hold that is very beautiful I'm sorry which is which is it it might be perfect <laughs> I, it's a play in and of itself and yet it spoils absolutely nothing it it's amazing. It is amazing. It is amazing. And uh, that is why it will likely advance to the next round. Let's do some votes. Mariah. 
Um, everything to it. I hope I get it. And one to the prologue of West Side Story. Uh, Rosie Joe. Three. I hope I get it. Damn. Three. I hope I get it. So, uh, I hope I get it. Moves on to the next round. Uh, it wins by a cumulative margin of 79 to 21, which is better than one of the public locks, uh, but not any others. Um, okay. Thank you, guys. That's all of the matchups that we have. But going through for next week's matchups, I really hope there are no locks next week because these are some crazy fucking matchups. First is Alexander Hamilton against Skid Row uh, from Little Shop of Horrors. The Ballad of Sweeney Todd from Sweeney Todd against Ragtime from Ragtime. The prologue of Ragtime from Ragtime. Uh, the Circle of Life from The Lion King versus Good Morning Baltimore from Hairspray. Um, Company from Company versus Vilkommen from Cabaret. Tradition versus Rent. Um, tradition from Fiddler, as you, you, you all know. Uh, prologue Bell from Beauty and the Beast versus Into the Woods prologue. Uh, Hello from The Book of Mormon versus In the Heights from In the Heights. And I hope I get it from A Chorus Line versus Oh My God, You Guys from Legally Blonde. So that's going to be a fun, a fun week. Um, if any of them are locks, I'll be very surprised. Although the, the one I'm, I, I'm suspicious of is in the Heights versus Hello. Uh, that, oh, I was going to say Circle of Life versus Good Morning Baltimore. Good Morning Baltimore, we have not talked about once because it has locked out both of its contenders. Same with Circle of Life. Uh, Hello has been in the closest matchup in two weeks in a row, and in the Heights locked out its first winner and almost locked out its second. So that is my prediction for what happens in the next round. Anyway, thank you so much, Dan, Rosie Joe, and Mariah. Uh, I really appreciate you guys doing this. Um, a, a very unique, incredible episode. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much to our listeners for listening. And uh, see you next week, everyone. Bye. <laughs>